0: Welcome to the Tapping Solution Podcast. I'm Alex Ortner, and along with my brother Nick and my sister Jessica, we've helped millions of people around the world for over 10 years to transform their lives and all using the brain rewiring, energy shifting, out of this world amazing technique known as tapping. On this podcast, we'll share information, strategies, tapping, and at times inspiring interviews, all to help you live your best life. the episode today by asking a few questions that I'd like you to reflect on. Do you ever say yes when you want to say no? Do you prioritize other people's needs or desires above your own? Are you overly invested in the decisions, feelings, and outcomes of the people you love? Are you resistant to asking for help that you end up doing most things by yourself Now, these are questions asked by Terry Cole, a clinical psychotherapist. She has become famous for her work around creating healthy boundaries. You might have seen her in Glamour, CNN, Cosmo, The New York Times, just to name a few. She's also the author of a new book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and finally live free she's also may i add a very dear friend of mine who i have known for many years so i can also give you the inside scoop that this woman is the real deal welcome terry
1: oh thanks jess
0: <laughs> i'm so happy we're finally doing this me too I'm going to back up a little bit. We're going to talk about boundaries, but I can't start without mentioning that we have been friends for so many years and you have been my go-to person when I have struggled with things, often boundaries. I'd love to start by getting clear on what we're really talking about when we're talking about boundaries in our lives and why this is even a conversation that is so important to have.
1: Well, I would say what we're actually talking about is Prioritizing, we'll start with knowing, prioritizing, and communicating your preferences, your desires, your limits, your deal breakers in your relationships. You know, Brene Brown has a very simple um, explanation of Brown. She says, it's letting the people in your life know what's okay with you and what's not okay with you. So I've taken it, obviously, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that is the essential essence. Of boundaries. Now there's boundaries in all different areas of your life. You have physical boundaries and emotional and mental and sexual and material. Like, you know, sure, there's all of those areas, but it's really about you knowing yourself and then being able to communicate your preferences, your desires, your needs, your limits, and your deal breakers in your relationships.
0: I remember when we first met like 15 years ago, I don't know when it was, thinking, oh, I don't really have an issue with boundaries. I just want to make everybody happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an issue with boundaries. I just never say no to other people because I just want everybody to like me. Because sometimes this issue people aren't aware of. I don't think people are going around saying, I have an issue with boundaries. I did have one, but I had trouble recognizing it. How do we begin to recognize our lack of boundaries?
1: Well, part of it is that you are not alone And thinking that it was not a boundary issue because the myths and the misunderstandings around boundaries are so plentiful that people think that if you have good boundaries, you are rejecting people and punching people in the face (laughs) and having confrontations and getting in fights and you're mean, you're bitchy, you're rejecting all of those things that aren't true. And if you were raised as a woman... In any country, because I've been teaching this, I have women 110 countries and my course is about boundaries and it's pretty much all the same. So not only were we not taught how to have healthy boundaries, we were actually raised and praised for being like self-abandoning codependents. Mm-hmm. So we literally we were praised for having disordered boundaries or dysfunctional boundaries where we say yes when we want to say no We prioritize everyone else's needs above our own. You know, people love to say, Oh, she's so nice. I mean, she would give this shirt off her back to anybody. You're like, Why? Why is that a good thing? Like, she's cold and she She needs a
0: shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's the martyr mentality. And it is very hard to move away from that because it is something that we're raised with. And also a lot of us take pride in that. We take okay. pride in being the giver, the person that other people can depend on. But then what I realized is I was experiencing resentment and I see it so much with clients I work with. It starts with this good intention of, I'm going to say yes, because I like saying yes. And then the resentment sets in. So what's like the lack of boundary hangover, right? Like what are the feelings that people experience when they're not creating those boundaries?
1: Well, that's a great question because people always ask, how do I know what boundaries I should have? Or how do I know when a boundary has been violated? So I always say, look to your feelings because your feelings will guide you. So what relationships do you feel resentful in? As you just said. What situations do you feel abused? Do you feel taken for granted? Do you feel like you are not appropriately appreciated for all of your effort? And so much of the time, Jess, the effort that we're making, nobody has asked us to make. Like we have voluntarily made sacrifices or done those things. And it's funny, people will say to me, what's wrong with being nice? I'm just nice. I'm like, listen, saying yes when you want to say no Let's get really clear. That is literally not being nice. That is being dishonest. That is giving the people in your life like corrupted data and intel about who you are, about what you want. How can someone know you intimately if we pride ourselves on being like, but I'm easy. You know me, no muss, no fuss. I'm easygoing. And I'm like, but are you? And why is that like a badge of honor? Why is having a preference, like inconveniencing other people, it isn't? And so part of the knowing that something has happened. So let's talk about in the moment. How can you know in the moment Mm -hmm. when a boundary, let's say, has been crossed, your body, right, has so much wisdom, as of course you guys know, you know, that when you dial in, and so much of what I teach in the book is about Being friends with our body again, like being able to dial into the wisdom, slowing down enough to actually know how you feel. Because the moment something happens, you will have a physical response to that boundary. Either someone says something inappropriate, let's say, I will immediately get a constriction in my chest or my throat chakra will feel like something very tight, maybe a pain in my head. But it isn't like, I don't know. That something happened Mm -hmm. because I do. So part of the process of, you know, sort of going from being a boundary disaster to a boundary master is first of all, realizing that it's a process. So in the moment, most of us don't know what to do. If we have that constriction in the moment, because we want to avoid conflict. We don't want to have a confrontation with someone. We don't have the words. We get into a fight, flight, or freeze response because we feel threatened by the interaction. And so maybe we can't even say anything because we now are go silent. You know, sometimes we just freeze, mm-hmm. where you're like, well, that was incorrect, but uh, I can't say anything. I can't move. I have no words. But when you slow it all down, And if you are tapping or meditating or both or breathing in a mindful way, regularly, you create a little bit of space between what happened and your own reaction. So you may still have the reaction of feeling constricted, but then there's a little bit of space to take a breath and to say, hey, wait a minute, wait, can you back up, Uncle Bob? (laughs) or whoever has said the thing and you learn language because it isn't about like boundaries themselves are really not just about saying no to something. So much of it is about saying yes in a wholehearted, authentic way. So I think that we have a lot of negative feelings or thoughts or beliefs about what it means to be a boundary boss, but what it really means is to be fluent in the language of boundaries and the same way that you wouldn't expect to wake up fluent in Mandarin because you really would like to be, (laughs) you would know you need someone to teach you and you, you start being not fluent and being not good at it and being a little conversational maybe, and then you get better over time. So it certainly is a process, but anyway, long way around the barn to get back to how do you know you have a physical response And then you make a plan. How do you deal when that happens? Sometimes, especially if you're a very sensitive person, you might need to just have a time out. You might need to just step away from a conversation and say that. Like, hey, I'm going to go grab some water. Right? You don't even have to say, I'm having a moment. I'm not sure what to say, but I don't like what you just said. Like, We don't have to reveal all of that. You can literally know inside of you that you need a moment and step back and take it. But, you know, what's helpful is having words, right?
0: Yeah, We
1: need lots of scripts.
0: Yeah. And we'll go into that in a moment. I do want to share, I worked with a client once who had such a challenge with boundaries. It was so bad to the point that she agreed to house at a house that had a cat. She is severely allergic to cats, severely allergic to cats. And she said yes. We did a lot of tapping. We did a lot of talking. It was definitely a family characteristics. Her parents were exactly the same way. They'd say yes to things and then complain at the dinner table. So one of her assignments was she was not allowed to say yes or no to anything on the spot. It was like the first rule because... I love what you said earlier is that it's you practice. You're not fluent in boundaries. You're not fluent in communicating. So if you really struggle, sometimes you have to give yourself that space and say, I am not allowed to say yes or no on the spot because I have to figure, I, I need to check in because she couldn't in that moment even know what she wanted because her default was yes. Yep.
1: So basically what you're saying, Jess, and I totally agree is we have to stop the Insta Or the auto yes. Mm. And there are some really simple ways of doing that. In the book I give you, and today we're going to be talking about, just how do you buy time in an appropriate way? You can literally, the first thing is you can say, um, I'm going to need to get back to you on that. Okay. Like it may sound when you're in the moment and when you feel this pressure that you must give someone, but really step back and think about If this does not involve a minor child or if you are not in emergency medicine, here's the reality. Nobody needs to get an auto yes from you and nobody needs an instant answer. It's okay to say, let me get back to you on that. I need to think about that. How about just saying, maybe, (laughs) like, I don't know, or I need to check with my partner, my roommate, my dog. I don't know who you need to check with, but you need to check. And I also would teach clients to say to someone, hey, you know what, I'll get back to you tomorrow because I have a 24-hour decision-making policy. And if someone says to me, well, I need an answer right now, and maybe they do, maybe it's about tickets that night and I wanted to say, like, I'll get back to you in an hour. And then if they say, I need an answer right now, I will always say, hey, if you need an answer right now, then it will, it'll be no. And that's okay, do what you need to do. Because a lot of times people are pressuring us for an answer. And I always think about, you know, poor planning on your part, other person, does not actually constitute an emergency for me.
0: Mm -hmm. Say it again, Terry.
1: (laughs) Right? I mean, I didn't make it up, but it's the truth, right? Poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency for me. And yet when we are sensitive or codependent, which many of us are naturally, the person says, it's an emergency. And suddenly we're all like panicking and sweating and our heart is beating fast. We're like, oh my gosh, it's an emergency. It isn't. And so allowing yourself, I mean, obviously, unless it is, but I'm saying most of the time when someone's like, I need you to commit to doing this by 3 p.m. today, and I see this with sales, people trying to manipulate others with sales type things and whatever, I always say that then that's a no. But thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate it, but that's a no because I don't make any instant decisions. I always give myself time. To think, So if this is an amazing opportunity, but you need to know in one hour from now, then it'll have to be no for me. And it's allowing the chips to fall where they may. But really think about it, Jess, what are we doing? We're saying, my reality is the one I'm going with. When other people are very convincing, or you might have people who are like, you know, what I would call boundary bullies. And then in the book, I have a whole chapter on boundary destroyers, like people who, no matter how amazing your boundaries are, or how perfectly you state them that are not offensively and with kindness and love, the person's going to find a way to trample over your boundaries because some personality types are just like that. You have to go, but what is my reality? What is true for me, which requires knowing yourself?
0: I love that. I want to loop this into tapping real quick because two things come to mind that I, I see often. A lot of people turn to tapping because they've struggled with some physical ailment. You know, stress impacts the body. And when we start tapping on Headaches or back pain, I cannot tell you the amount of times it links to boundaries because mm-hmm. if you can't say no, your body says no. And I'm going to say that again if you don't say no, your body will say no. So if you are giving and giving and giving, your body will wear out. And so often we start with a physical pain, but it goes to the boundaries and really being able to release the guilt around saying no so that you can say yes to yourself and you can show up for your body. So That is just, I want to put that out there for any of those who are listening, who are realizing, recognizing they're having trouble with boundaries and recognizing they are struggling with something physical. There is a link. One contributes to the other. Have you seen that?
1: Absolutely. It's unbelievable because what I would see in my therapy practice for two and a half decades is a lot of times I would have women coming into my practice who are highly successful in the world, CFOs, CEOs. Famous folks, a whole bunch of different people. But they would come in, and by the time they get to me, if they're older, 50s, 60s, they would be presenting with autoimmune disorder symptoms. They would be physically unwell, having all kinds of gut issues, like I said, back pain, all different types of representation around the things they couldn't do. And, you know, it may seem counterintuitive that you could be successful in business, but actually still be a boundary disaster in certain ways. So yes, there is definitely a physical connection. And what I would see is that the moment we start identifying what the body is trying to tell the client, like what the heck is going on, symptoms start abating, sleep gets better, exhaustion gets better. But again, with boundaries, if you've been you know, had the disease to please or been a people pleaser or getting a lot of validation outside of yourself. We do every single thing and the way that I teach this process, it's built on these five pillars of self-mastery that I created years ago, everything is a small shift. And we always start with lower priority relationships because it can be threatening to change a boundary dance in an established relationship. So we start to look at situations like, let's say you're going out to lunch when that happens again um, (laughs) and your food comes and let's say your food is wrong. So much of the time my clients would say, and me too, in my younger life, it doesn't, it's fine. I, I don't mind this, I'll eat it, it's okay, right? So I would give, you know, assignments like, if the thing you're paying for is literally not the thing you ordered, you have to prioritize your preference There's nothing wrong with you wanting the dressing on the side. You're not a burden. It's not a pain. It's just the way that you want to eat. You have got to send the thing back and say, please put it on the side, right? And we start with lower priority situations. So you start to flex this the muscle of prioritizing yourself in a way and realizing that. So much of the time, other people want you to have what you want too. It isn't like all the people out there in the world are like, are against you getting what you want. We think it's a burden to say, you know what, I actually ate Italian food last night. I'd rather have, you know, Japanese food tonight or whatever those things are. And it really isn't, right? It's just a preference. And that is the beginning of being able to create boundaries is starting simply with what's okay with you and what's not okay with you. And in the book, we have this extensive list that we do, everything from like the lighting where you work to how you're interacting in your love relationship, in your friendships, how you're spending your money, all of these things. Because so much of the time, if we were a personality that goes along to get along, we don't realize that there are a million small changes that you can make in your life where you're prioritizing your preference easily. I was just talking to someone the other day and she said, I have this beautiful chandelier, but the light was too bright. And she's like, I'm kind of a highly sensitive person. And so every time it came on, I'd be wishing I had the ability to make it not bright. And she's like, and literally today, I had someone come in and put a dimmer on it. (laughs) And she's like, and now every time I turn that light on and dim it to the exact what I want, I feel considered. I feel mm. joyful. And I'm like, right. That's what prioritizing your own preference feels like. And it's not doing anything to anyone else.
0: Right. Right. It's so true. And it does take practice. I think we're so scared of the consequences, you know, but I I have realized that the moment you value your own time, other people value your time. So the moment you have more boundaries, the irony is that you think if I have boundaries, people will be mad at me. And maybe sometimes that happens in the beginning as you're like reshuffling these relationships. But where you land is people are so much more respectful of your time and know that when you're saying yes, you're being fully present. So it does actually improve relationships, but there is that fear of other people's reactions. So what do you say to someone who's just like, listen, Terry, I'm just scared of how this other person is going to react to my boundary.
1: I say, well, let's talk about why. Let's use the, I have this tool called the three cues for clarity. Sometimes it's just simply that I don't want to disappoint someone, fine but a lot of times when it is a fear that stops us from doing things that we want to do and know that we should do for ourselves and for our relationships usually there's a childhood element there is a it's a child's fear right not the grown up you so i have these three cues for clarity it's called so these three questions that if you find yourself in a situation and you're like wow like i really am afraid to do this I want to make sure that your side of the street is clean. And we ask these three questions about the situation, which is, who does this person remind me of? Where have I felt like this before? And how is this behavioral dynamic, like the way we're interacting, how is that familiar to me? And it could be familiar to you because it was the way you interacted, let's say, with a punitive parent when you were a kid. Or maybe you witnessed your parental impactors or whoever raised you interact this way. So how does this help you? This is basically a way of uncovering where you might be responding in a current situation driven by unresolved feelings or a charged feeling from the past. And when you can identify this, you know, I had this, I'll I'll quickly just give an example because I think it might be helpful. I had this experience when I was at my internship, when I was in grad school, where I really like quote unquote hated the guy who ran the place he was this very famous addiction doctor and i'm go into my therapy every week and be like you know he's just he's just cold he's just a jerk he's just judgmental like and i'm not getting like i barely interacted with this dude but every week I was complaining and finally my therapist was like all right do me a favor can you describe Dr. Washington I was like yeah I mean he's you know tall and good looking has dimples he's like a Brooks Brothers suit wearing Wall Street Journal reading probably drinks martini and golfs on the weekends this is literally what I'm saying about him <laughs> and she's like um hello who else does that remind you of and I was like oh my god I had this whole realization in that moment, and keep in mind, I wasn't like 15 when this happened, I was like already 30, where this guy reminded me so much of my father who I was so intimidated by and afraid of throughout my childhood, that I did not see that I was having a transference. I would avoid him. We would we would pass each other in the hallway and I would jump into the ladies room. If he was in a meeting, I would never like share my insights on what was going on with someone. And my therapist said, Tara, that is 10-year-old you. You literally, you see this guy and you become 10 because something about the interaction with him is bringing up this unresolved stuff. So let's talk about what part of you is still afraid of your father, even though he, was already, he had already passed away at that point. And here's why it matters. If you never figure this out, your boss will never see how smart you are You'll never be able to be fully yourself in this job. And that is a shame because you're doing a great job and don't you want him? So anyway, the moment I realized that, because sometimes when we realize we're having a transference by asking these questions, for me, that was enough to go, oh my God, I'm not 10. He's not my father. Bring it. Then after that, I was like, hi, I want to talk. I'd love to interview for you for the school. Like, I mean, I just, I couldn't get enough of this person after that. But that's something that anytime I ask someone those questions or they, you know, give, give this to my clients, I share it in the book, so that you have this little tool right in your hip pocket where you're like, huh, I think I'm having a bigger reaction or response to something, or maybe my fear is amplified or exaggerated in some way, I wonder if I ask these questions, will something be there? And listen, it may not, but I'm going to say, honestly, eight to nine times out of 10, when we're really afraid of doing something, there is absolutely some transference going on to an earlier injury or an earlier experience.
0: Yeah. I often hear people say that as they're tapping, they have this big aha moment. And the reason that we have these moments when we're tapping or meditating or in the shower or Albert Einstein used to say it was when he was shaving, when we're (laughs) relaxed, we think clearly. We get those ideas. The problem is we're running a million miles an hour. We're jumping to these conclusions. We're in our anger and we don't have the space to ask. And so simply... Tapping and asking ourselves, what does this remind me of? And creating that space is very, very powerful. Absolutely. I
1: love the idea though, just of tapping while you're, I mean, like that, it'll be literally doubly as powerful. Because of course, I use tapping with my clients and I use tapping personally to actually ask those three questions for clarity while you're tapping. Because I do believe you will get to those answers if they're there for you even faster because of how for me it's a physical as soon as I start tapping my body is like oh time to chill out you know
0: yes can you say those three questions one more time for those who want to write it down
1: sure and actually I'll give you a fourth as well so we can add it'll be a full thing okay who does this person remind me of where have I felt like this before How is this behavioral dynamic, the way we're interacting, how is that familiar to me? And then the last question is, when I'm in this conflict or when I'm about to have this conversation, who do I become, metaphorically, and who does the other person become? So you may become your 10-year-old self. They may become the punitive parent. You may become the punitive parent. (laughs) And the other person may become your other parent, you know, so... There's something about going, who do I become? Because we have this tendency to repeat things that we've seen. And this is just, you know, Freud would call it repetition compulsion within family systems. Like, even if we don't want to repeat things, unless we have an intervention like tapping, therapy, meditation, all of these things that can interrupt those ingrained or unconscious patterns, we will, you can swear You're not going to have your parents' marriage if they had a marriage where they bickered all the time. If you don't learn how to not do that, I promise you, you will most likely repeat it.
0: Yes, we do repeat things. It's so true. Everyone knows that one friend who's dated the same guy for 20 years, but it's really 10 different guys, (laughs) right? right? It's so much easier when you look at someone else and you're like, how do you find these people? It's amazing how we attract these situations in our lives. I want to loop back to, what you were talking earlier about, the language and the script and how having boundaries, it's not like we suddenly decide to do it and we become so graceful. We need space to learn the language. Can you share some scripts that can help support us moving forward?
1: Yeah, so let's say that you want to make a request, right? You're you're negotiating for your needs, prioritizing your preference you need language to do that if you haven't been doing that. So let's say that you have a friend who you always go out with, but they're kind of bossy and you always end up going wherever that friend wants to go. They're always like, okay, I've made a reservation at this place that's like close to my apartment and not close to your apartment <laughs> and <laughs> and always choosing what you're going to eat. You could say, hey, I'd like to make a simple request that we take turns deciding where we meet for dinner because I've come... To you for the last bunch of times. And I'd actually like to try a place in my neighborhood that I like or whatever. So the stem, the sentence stem, is I'd like to make a simple request. And that actually is from nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg, who is, you know, the seminal text on conflict resolution, probably all over the world because it's been around forever. And the truth is, every request is simple. The other person agreeing may not be, but the truth is, no matter what you're asking someone to do, the request itself is simple. So I like that language myself. Some people don't. If you don't, I've got other ones for you. (laughs) If you are in a conversation with someone and they're cutting you off, right? Have any of you been in a conversation with someone who is just a perpetual interrupter? Anybody? You? Mm -hmm. It's so, and I find it. Oh my God, so annoying. It really kicks up my ego, right? It makes <laughs> me be like, don't you know what I'm saying is important? Like, I don't get it. So you can say, again, with kindness, we can say, I would really appreciate if you would just let me finish my story before, and then I'm all ears for yours, right? That is one thing that you could say that's kind of easy. Okay, moving into, you can also use a physical, something physical, where if someone is interrupting me, I love to... I use my hand a lot and not like in someone's face, but I'll put up the sort of the one second thing, like the one finger where you're like, hey, one minute, which usually will buy a second, right? It'll buy a little bit of time for someone. So that's another thought is saying, hey, can can you wait one sec? Can you just let me finish my thought, please? And then I'm all ears for whatever it is you want to talk about. Because again, we can do this with kindness and you may do that perfectly and- Most regular people will say, oh my God, you're so right. Yes, please finish. And then then I'll tell you mine. I just got excited. Sometimes someone will be like, oh, look who's sensitive today. Like some people will do that and you have to know you're not that fragile. Mm -hmm. If someone is mad at you because you will not allow them to continually interrupt your story and not listen to you, think about that. What does that say about what that person thinks about what you think and how you feel? At the very least, the people who have the privilege of being in your life need to kind of give a crap about what you think. So if someone is super defensive, you know, you have to think about that too. Another thing that you could say for like a bossy person who's always like, okay, I already made plans. You could say, hey, I would really love it if we could decide together where to meet. Instead of, you know, you you always seem to decide, but actually I would love some input on what we're doing. Usually people go, "Uh, okay. What do you say when someone is asking an intrusive question? When someone's like, why don't you have kids? Why don't you eat wheat? Why'd you get divorced? Oh, how did your loved one die? Like people can and will ask you the most inappropriate, painful Stuff that's none of their friggin' business, like all the time. So we have a choice to either be offended. It's you can be offended, you can not be offended, right? You can make decisions on who you want to hang out with based on that. But the real deal is that not answering that question is the most important. So I have a couple of ideas of how not to. And I don't even think, like, listen, it's not even necessary to be like. What's wrong with you, Uncle Bob? Like, we don't even have to do that. Because the thing that makes us so upset and angry in that situation is if we answer. If we Mm. get personal information about ourselves, we make ourselves vulnerable, but it didn't really feel voluntary. It felt like we were trained if someone asks a question that it's rude not to answer most of us. And yet the truth is, a lot of times the question itself is so rude, it's ridiculous that anyone even asked it. So um, I love Kasha Urbaniak's work where she's a power dynamic expert, and she's got this little cluster of things that you can say that I love and I always teach. One of them is um, if someone says, so why did you get a divorce? Um, you can say, why would you want to know that? That would be one question that you could say. You could also say, if I'm angry at what someone has asked me, I will straight in their face say, why would you ask me that? Because now, according to power dynamics and what Kasha teaches, what we've done is we've flipped the power dynamic. Whoever has the attention on them is the person who doesn't have the power. right? If you feel obligated, if someone asks you an, an inappropriate question and you're struggling to like answer or not answer by saying, why would you want to know that? You're now flipping it so that they have to actually go, um because i'm morbidly curious like i don't know like they they have to come up with Mm -hmm. a reason most of the time if i've ever done that and i do use that one but i say it not even with anger i actually want to know i'll say why would you want to know that and the person just goes oh my god was that too personal and i'll say kind of and that ends it right
0: right Right. And, you know, even simply saying, I'm just thinking for my, I feel like I would just say, I don't feel comfortable sharing. Sure. Like, <laughs> that's yep. tr- I don't feel comfortable sharing. That's yep. it.
1: Yep.
0: But it's interesting to move the question back to them. I just want to spend a minute before we wrap up on the mm-hmm. no, on the requests. Can you help me move? Will you drive me to the airport? You know, just the things that sometimes we love to help people. And listen, there are certain people that I will drive to the airport. There are certain people I will not drive to the airport. Like, you, yep. you know, it's it's about relationships. Not all of them are the same. And you want to give in a relationship where you also feel filled up as well. I don't think it's the giving that's the problem. It's the feeling like you're never receiving and you're depleted when yep. the resentment comes in, when it's not an equal relationship.
1: Right, where there's not mutuality. I think that part of it is we really have to dial into why we feel compelled to give the insta or the auto yes. And, you know, I I teach that in the book, but we go back in time, right? I help you kind of just take go down the steps to your unconscious mind of like, why is that? We are not allowed as a child. Like we learn these things because there's an absolute reason why all of us are the way we are. Like there is a psychologically solid reason for having difficulty saying no. And the more you know about it, the easier it is to say no when you feel no. So the first thing you gotta do is get clear about, we do this inventory where you get clear about who are the kind of takers in your life? Who are the people who, where there isn't as much mutuality like you said, who are the relationships? And I'm actually giving you guys a gift where you'll be able to do this. Go to boundaries.me forward slash tapping and we'll have it in the show notes, where you do an inventory of like, who are, where do you feel filled up? Where do you feel energized after spending time with someone? And where do you feel like depleted or exhausted? And that tells you the relationships that you probably need to have better boundaries in. And probably the relationships where you feel like you're in a coma when you're done being with that person, (laughs) that's the one where you need to learn to say no. So once you have it in your mind, who are the people who do ask you things that you would never ask them or expect them to do, whether it's helping you move or taking you to the airport? Like those are the people who are like, ask you to be the maid of honor in their wedding. And you're like, hello, I don't even think you'd be invited to my wedding. Like, how do you think I'm an appropriate person to be? But how do they think that is that we have not been honest with them because clearly we've gone along with their reality of the relationship. So get clear about who are the energy vampires in your life to a degree by time. That's crucial because it is so much easier to say no when you've said, I'm going to need to get back to you on that. Um, I need time to think about that. Or I need to check with, I need to check my calendar. Simple enough. But just stopping the auto yes makes it 100% easier to come back and be like, oh, hey, I checked my calendar and I can't do it because I need to do something for my spouse, my sister, whoever. Those are the easiest ways. But you got to trust your gut. Because when you start dialing into your gut instinct about who are the boundary kind of bullies or the people trampling your boundaries in your life, you already kind of know who they are. This inventory that you're going to do in the free gift, that will be helpful to really give you a snapshot of like, where do I need to work? What relationships? But down deep, if we really think about it, we already know who they are. Yeah. Next step is simply learning the language and being able to say no by buying time and then using one of the scripts that I'm giving you.
0: Amazing. It makes me think of, I have a story in my book, The Tapping Solution for Weight Loss and Body Confidence because I do see a correlation between struggling with boundaries and struggling with body confidence and weight. When you feel constantly depleted and resentful, food is something you can depend on and it can make you feel better. And there is an escape there when we feel trapped. And a lot of times when we don't have boundaries, that's exactly how we feel. We feel trapped. There is a a woman who was a nurse and she would always go in when they would call her in. And she had one day off. She'd been working weeks straight through without time off. And they called her and they said, um, I think her name was Susie. They were like, will you come in? She got the message, luckily. So she was actually able to think about it. And she called them and she said no. And they responded with, oh, you're breaking my heart. Okay. And then they hung up the phone. And she was distraught because all she could hear was, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. And so she tapped. Even though I just broke their heart, even though I'm disappointing them, I accept myself and how I feel. I love and accept myself. And tapped just while focusing on those words that were bothering her. And she said she ended up having an amazing day. They found somebody else. Nothing horrible happened. But you don't have that experience until you jump in. Like you said, like, we're not used to it. So we almost have to just do it. And then we're like, oh, that, was, that wasn't that bad, but we have yep. to do it. <laughs> It's
1: true. I also think that expecting part of it is knowing that you're going to feel a particular way. Like I have this whole, you know, this 48 hour, like no take back rule, basically, where when you first start setting boundaries, you are going to want to reverse that boundary so badly. (laughs) You're going to want to call them up. She wanted to get in her car and be like, no, I'm here. I'm still the savior. I'm still the one you could count on. So I always say we have a 48 hour rule in the beginning when you're starting to set these smaller boundaries and then bigger. Boundaries and give yourself the soothing that if at the end of 48 hours you still want to take it back, you can. But I promise you, nobody ever does.
0: Nobody ever wants to take it
1: back. You're so happy you did it. And you start to have a different respect for yourself in being more honest in your relationships.
0: I love that. Oh, that's so profound. Terry, you have so many free goodies. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about your book. Just share where we can. I think for a lot of people, they're going, okay, yes, this is me. I need more. So how do we give them more?
1: You know, go to the link that we're giving you, which is boundaries.me forward slash tapping, because it's nice and easy. And there'll be a bunch of gifts on there for you guys, the inventory that I told you. And actually the book you can get anywhere, right? It's You can go to Amazon, you can go to boundarybossbook.com. You can also take a boundary quiz that is only 13 questions, but very interesting if you want to know your boundary style at boundaryquiz.com. So, and I'll make sure that those links are also on the page that you guys are going to for your free gift to make it easy, just one-stop shopping
0: perfect friends if this interview related to you if you were nodding your head if so much sounded familiar to you because this is a this is a journey i've gone through it's a journey terry you are a pro at this because you have gone through this besides helping thousands of thousands of people guys if this resonates with you get the book it's called boundary boss it's sold wherever books are sold boundary boss by terry cole get it tell your friends terry thank you so much for being with us
1: Thanks, Jess. I love you.
0: Love you.